the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. For the next hour, we'll be talking about working toward retirement, financial independence, dealing with market volatility, all those things that you have to have at least a handle on, an awareness of, and a strategy for. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, just a little bit off Route 750, very easy to get to, a bit north of 23 and 270, and they offer you a free consultation as a prospective future client, no obligation consultation, which you can set up by making your appointment on the phone at 614-917-1040 or by making your appointment on their website, aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And Josh, it seems that we try to keep our uh, conversation early in the show about current events and everybody's uh, most watched current event is what's going to happen with interest rates because interest rates bleed over into car loans and home loans and prices that we pay everywhere. And a story caught my eye from the Daily Wire quoting Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland President Loretta Mester said uh, this week that she expects policymakers will increase the target federal funds rate beyond 5% as inflationary pressures continue to impact the economy. There's been a lot of speculation. Is Jerome Powell and the Fed done? Well, we've had nine, I think, or 10 consecutive rate hikes. And according to this particular Fed president, she thinks at least one more is coming. What does that mean to you and to clients who um, are concerned about this and the impact that it has on their investments at Aptus Wealth? Well, first, I don't agree. I don't disagree with her. I think we're still in in line for a couple of more rate hikes. You know, the Fed has been very clear that it's trying to get inflation down below the three percent mark. You'll hear two percent, but mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty lofty goal. I think if they got to three, they'd be pretty darn happy. But we're still quite north of that. Uh, we're above five. So there's there's no question they're going to have to raise rates a little bit more. Now, I would suggest that I don't think we're going to have the aggress- aggressive rate heights that we had before. You know, we saw three-quarter of a point hikes back-to-back four times. Four times. Um, some half points in there. Um, and now we've kind of shifted to the the smaller quarter-point raises, and I think that will continue. Now, my my hope is that the Fed doesn't overshoot the runway. You know, we've been talking for so long, and I feel like a broken record saying this, that we're trying to come in for a soft landing. Yeah. And, you know, if we keep uh, slowly raising by a quarter of a point, keeping our finger on the pulse of the economy, I think that's a possible uh, end game. But if we get a little too aggressive, we could overshoot the runway, and then all of a sudden we're talking about cutting rates. And what that really does, is that a bad thing? Well, mixed messages, sure. But I think it's a bad thing because it would really increase the volatility of an already whipsawing stock market. So if the Fed doesn't play this right, 
if the volatility of the market is bothering you now, I think you're in for a real treat as it will continue to jump around. Yeah, and the other thing that people keep an eye on is uh, real wages. And if real wages are keeping up with inflation, nobody likes prices escalating, but the fact is real wages are not keeping up with price increases. Uh, and that's probably a, the fault of inflation because it's hard to keep wages when inflation was at its peak, 9.1%. It's still 5%, so that's not good. Uh, real wages fell 1.3% year over year as of March 23, according to the Department of Labor Statistics, which means people have you know fewer dollars for everything, including fewer dollars to invest. Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about these rates, I think we oftentimes blur the lines as to what reality really is. For example, if car loan rates go up by 1%, well, 1% doesn't sound like a whole lot. So, you know, what's a big deal? 1%. Well, that correlates back to a payment because we're predominantly a debtor society, meaning not few, very few people in the United States go out and pay cash for a house, pay cash mm -hmm. for a car, et cetera. And I think it was, what, maybe a couple of months ago, we talked about the difference in price of a home, for example. Homes have gone up substantially while simultaneously the rate for that home has gone up substantially. So you can say, oh, you know, home prices are up and uh, the, the rate on mortgages are up. But I think when we did the math, it was something like, you know, the, the, uh, the actual payment of the same home that you would have bought three years ago is darn near double. Yeah. So Crazy. It, it's not just a matter of single digit percentages. It's a matter of cash flow doubling. And that's really what's important, both when you're, you know, in your working years and retirement years. It's not about percentages here or there. It's about cash flow. Yeah. And particularly when it comes to a home, uh, if you have three kids, uh, you can afford, you think, a four bedroom, two and a half bath house. Well, when your interest rate goes up, now all of a sudden you can only afford a house that's uh, maybe three bedroom, one bath. And you, your kids aren't subject to inflation. Like you still got to find a place for the kids to sleep. And that's the real problem here. And we've got a bunch of numbers on the housing market and all that. But the key is you have to have a strategy for these kinds of challenges that are out there. And they are out there and they are real. And they have been fluctuating for the better part of two years now. And Josh and his team at Aptus are fiduciaries, which means they are legally obligated to do what is in your best interest as a client. And you can meet with them. And find out if they're a fit for you. If you're a fit for them, you'll talk through your uh, willingness to embrace risk, how you view risk. It's not that they're into risky investments. It's just they want to get a gauge on where you are and have you get to know them. Set up that free consultation by making your appointment online. Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. You can also make your appointment by setting it up on the phone at 614-917-1040. And the latest numbers I have from Columbus, Josh, it looks like Columbus at least is a little bit immune to a national trend in housing, which is that fewer homes are selling and that they're not selling for the astronomical, oh, I got six offers over my setting, uh, my set price, my asking price, like there used to be. And we still have a shortage of homes in Columbus, which might indicate maybe uh, the old law of supply and demand, why homes in Columbus appear to still be holding their value. Yeah, and I, if you go and look back at uh, a lot of, the situations or time periods where we've had pullbacks in the housing markets, it seems like the hottest markets always get hit first, and then it kind of trickles out to the rest of the markets. And while Ohio, in particular Delaware County, over the last you know ten or fifteen years has been a, a hotbed for growth, we haven't seen that explosive home price increase. I know if you're 
sitting right now listening in Ohio, you're going, I don't know where you're from, but around my area, they've been going up like rocket ships. But think of areas like Scottsdale, Arizona, or areas like Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, These places have exploded uh, very, very quickly. The Floridas, the New Yorks, Mm -hmm. the Californias, right? So they are going to get hit first on that kind of right-sizing, if you will, that that, uh, correction play. And I think we'll probably be a little later in that mix. Now, the hope will be that maybe we're through the housing correction. And maybe this is just where we are now. Uh, if you're looking to buy a house, you're probably saying, I hope not. I hope it pulls back a little bit. And if you own a house, you're probably saying, I hope so. And I hope it doesn't go back anymore. But uh, hopefully we've we've somewhat stabilized. Yeah. And if you do live outside the area, that should not keep you from becoming an Aptis client. They do service a lot of clients outside the central Ohio area. They can do that remotely. And so you can uh, set up your free consultation remotely. 614-917-1040 to make your appointment Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. And Columbus is, according to this story, the fourth hottest housing market in the U.S. Uh, out there beyond Columbus, uh, nationally, sales have dropped 22% year over year. So that's, I think, a reflection of the interest rates. I mean, people, you may be looking to, quote-unquote, upgrade your home to a bigger home when you can trade your mortgage rate for a comparable mortgage rate, but if your mortgage rate is double, and it is now, mortgage rates are you know well above 6%. A lot of people got used to 2 and 3% mortgage rates. You may be more apt to remodel your own home, add on to your own home, or just stay in your own home and not buy another home. Yeah, I feel like for a really long time, we were in the mode of once our house kind of needs some work done to it, we just move to a newer house, a newer, bigger house, right? And it's a matter of a couple of hundred, a few hundred dollars more a month. I think those days are behind us, um, and I think the days of uh, renovating homes, et cetera, are are really in front of us. Now, there's going to be certain cir- cir- circumstances that you can't, you know, avoid, like your job transferred you or something mm-hmm. like that, and and that's going to get very difficult too. As people are thinking about taking a different job across the country, it's not as simple as saying they're going to pay me ten thousand dollars more. It's they're paying me ten thousand dollars more, but my mortgage payment's going to go up by a thousand dollars a month. So are they really are we really winning in this transaction? So let's talk a little bit about real estate as an investment for retirement. A lot of people view their home, and for many people, their home is their primary real estate, or their their home is their primary investment. Uh, how should people view real estate as an investment? Is uh, you know everything in the markets now are sectors. We've talked about the tech sector, and we've talked about the oil and gas sector uh, performing well. Like typically, because of what real estate conditions were and what they're now evolving into. Uh, what place does real estate have in terms of prudent financial investing for retirement? Yeah, I think you need to differentiate uh, investment real estate from your primary residence. Your primary residence is where you live. That is not an investment other than you could say, I have some tangible value there. But mm-hmm. you're not going to live off your home. You're going to live in your home. Now, when it comes to investment real estate, there's two ways to to look at that. Way number one is, and I don't care if we're talking about land, commercial, residential, multifamily home, you, you pick the product doesn't matter. Uh, there are two ways to invest in real estate, and you could argue that there's two ways to invest in the stock market similarly. And that is, one, I am speculating on the price of this home. So I'm going to buy this home for 100000 I believe it's going to shoot up very, very quickly, and I'm going to sell it for 200000 in five years. Mm-hmm. However, during that holding period, I'm not making any money because it breaks even or whatever you want to call it. The other would be, I'm going to buy a property for cash flow. Um, and there's some interesting opportunities in cash flow all the way from, you know, campgrounds to trailer parks to, you know, the list goes on. 
where I think it gets a little bit muddled and which becoming difficult as I've had several conversations with clients of mine that have uh, many pieces of real estate here as of late is we've rode this, this wave up. I I bought this place in X, Y, Z and I bought it for 500,000. Now it's worth a million and I only bought it three years ago. Do I sell it or do I keep it? Because it's appreciated so much. I would argue that if you're not making at least 4% in cash flow off of that, you would be better off selling the property, putting it in a CD and living off of the interest from a cash flow perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm being agnostic to all the tax benefits and the growth, et cetera. But if you have a million-dollar property and the only net income you're driving off of that because of your mortgage you know, insurance and all the expenses that go along with it is maybe you know, $200 a month, you're making $2,400 a year off of a million-dollar asset. It's probably time to pull the ripcord on that one. Yeah. However, I've run into other scenarios, and we just did this with a client where I went through and said, you should probably get rid of this one and keep this one for sure. You know, I had a client that had a $500,000 piece of property in Florida that's making you know $40,000 a year off of that piece of property. Uh, I would hang on to that. I would too, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. So it's all, you have to look at, and this is true of all financial planning, you have to look at all assets, all asset classes, and all investments and kind of compare them net to net and see if they make sense to keep. Uh, Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. It will re-air tomorrow at noon. And please tell your friends about it. Share our content with them. We'd love to have you join us on Mondays at 1230 when Josh joins the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer for a segment we call Money Monday. And we really like to have you set up the free consultation with Aptus so that you can learn about these concepts, how they pertain to you and to your investing for retirement. It's a no-obligation consultation, 614-917-1040 to make that appointment. You can also make it online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. And as we've talked over the years, so much of investing is figuring out, you know, where is appreciation going to happen and where is, uh, you know, where are minimal returns or negative returns going to happen, avoiding those and finding a good place. And, you know, things cycle. There are hot sectors and, you know, sectors that aren't so hot. And, During the pandemic, where everybody started working at home, I presumed that there would be an adjustment in commercial real estate as an investment. And then there would be, if it went down enough, there would be an opportunity in commercial real estate for whoever's smart enough to figure out how to take a property that maybe could be used again for the same thing or could be repurposed and used for a different thing. So I'm just kind of wondering, as you are always with uh, what you do, evaluating different sectors of investing, what is the... What is the reactive portion of where commercial real estate is now in the aftermath of a pandemic? I think we can safely say that's over and some people are going back to work, but some people aren't. So where does that sit? You know, that's a really difficult one. Um, it's one that I've thought about a lot, particularly uh, as I'm uh, considering moving uh, our office. It's still mm-hmm. very similar location, but maybe now is a good opportunity to upgrade space. and. What I'm seeing, what I'm seeing, at least around the local areas, commercial real estate is sitting on the market longer, and now we're in an environment where you can actually negotiate. It isn't a matter of saying, well, "It's a million dollar building, and we'll take a million two. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a million dollar building, and we'll take eight hundred. You know, we're hearing stuff like that. But I have not seen the dramatic pullback yet. But what I, what we are start, starting to see, and I'm sure you can attest to this, as I drive around town, I certainly see more empty space yeah. that seems to be available. Yeah. And I don't think. Uh, at least in speaking with clients who are in positions of hiring and companies, I don't believe that that toothpaste is ever going to go back in the tube. I don't think now that we are comfortable working remotely 
that people are all going to go back to the office. And I think it also opened up an opportunity where local companies can acquire nationwide, if not global talent, because people can work from anywhere. So now if you're a hiring manager, you're not just competing with even the United States anymore. You're competing with companies in Europe uh, for talent. So it's good for the employee, uh, bad for commercial real estate, and uh, debatable for employers. So how has remote communication changed, if it has changed at all, what you do, and how has it changed investing and client relations and things like that? Yeah, I would say pre-pandemic, although I had many clients in other states, uh, those conversations were phone and then maybe even required travel to go see them. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what Zoom was, if I'm being honest, pre-pandemic. I mean, there were some WebExes that we did or maybe some company events that we did via, you know, the WebEx type calls, but uh, Zoom exploded, WebEx uh, stuff exploded, and I would argue that, uh, and I don't have an exact statistic here, but I bet 30 to 40% of my appointments now are via Zoom. And the technology has improved to the point where the functionality is almost like I'm sitting right with clients. I can share my screen. We can go through everything we can do in the office. We can now do remotely. Matter of fact, we've gotten so used to it that we very rarely even fill out paperwork in the office. You come in, we talk about it. I'll send you all the signs. It's way easier for everybody involved. Click a couple buttons. Let's move on with our lives. So it's changed dramatically. Yeah, I can vouch for that latter part. I mean, uh, I'm a client at Aptus. My wife and I, we went in, we met with Josh and his team for our consultation. We became clients and everything that we do, we do it remotely, even though, you know, I'm very close to Josh's office. There are times I go in, uh, but everything is very easy to accomplish. And it's just another reason that, uh, to me, explains the wisdom of going in for that consultation and finding out if you're a fit for Aptus and if they're a fit for you. You can set up your appointment by doing so online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Their phone number in the office is 614-917-1040. And as we tape this show today, we're coming out of tax season. Thank goodness I get to see my wife again. That's great. She's a tax attorney, and she's been um, AWOL, I guess, for the last couple of weeks. But uh, we'll talk about taxes in uh, the second segment of the show and strategizing for taxes. But this headline caught my eye that... A lot of people are owed tax refunds and aren't aware that they're owed tax refunds. Uh, I guess you can not file a tax return because you don't think you have to file a tax return. And to me, if I didn't file a tax return, I'd be expecting a knock on my door with law enforcement. But apparently uh, this can leave some money on the table for people. If they don't file a tax return, then they have funds coming. Uh, Does this ever intersect with anything that you deal with in your client relations? Um, I don't encounter encounter people who don't file their tax returns very often, Um, but I can see a myriad of scenarios where particularly, you know, students who maybe were working a part-time job, you know, they made 5,000 bucks last year, they paid in XYZ in taxes, and they go, I don't need to file our tax return, when in reality they probably get 100% of what they paid in taxes back. For example, I can think of my son is Mm -hmm. in that boat, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in the business and I'm in, so I filed a tax return for him, but nevertheless, he would have never known to file a tax return. So I'm sure there's millions and millions of dollars out there. But what I do encounter is oftentimes people have some opinions on, I'm sure you hear lots of stories from your wife about this. People have some opinions on when I should file my taxes because of X, Y, Z reason. Maybe it's rooted in reality. Maybe it's rooted in something you heard on the elevator and you just started running with it. 
um, or people overpaying versus underpaying. And there's a myriad of scenarios, and I'll, I'll give a scenario with uh, for myself and where this can get a little bit hairy. Um, I paid some taxes on a company that I own mm-hmm. personally. I've done that for years and years and years because it's a pass-through entity. It's an LLC, so it really doesn't matter. Well, Ohio changed their law or changed their the way they're perceive they're perceiving this type of uh, transaction. So I got a new auditor, and he said that uh, he wants it to be paid out of the company. I said, okay. So let's just say it was $10,000. I said, okay, no problem. So what do you want me to do? Can't you just kind of move it from one to the next? No, no. I want you to send in a check for $10,000 from the company and then file an amendment, and we'll send you your $10,000 back personally. Okay. Well, the real number is 20000 and I've been waiting on my $20,000 since October of last year. Yikes. So the point in that is not, you know, woe is me, but the point of that is make sure that you're doing your taxes appropriately the first time so that you don't have to wait on money that's owed to you. Because remember, if you're late, you get penalized. Mm -hmm. If they're late... (laughs) There's no difference. No. It doesn't no. matter. You mentioned um, stories that I hear from my wife, and I don't hear anything, you know, of a specific client nature, which, you know, obviously that is a commonality with uh, people in your business, people in um, the accounting trade. Uh, the privacy is sacrosanct. But what I do often hear, a mistake people make on taxes, or they might be operating under a false idea is a lot of people tend to move out of, or occasionally people will move out of a district, a school district particularly, where they think they pay high taxes. And they'll move to a rural area where they think they're going to pay really low taxes because, oh, it's a rural area. Now, out where I live, I guess there's something where you get credit for paying your local taxes where you work, but some communities don't add on to that. Oh, our tax is 2.5%. I see you pay 2.5% in Columbus. Okay, We'll just call it even. But some entities don't do that, and you can pay the 2.5% where you work, and you're going to pay the 2.5% where you go. And you have impressed me a lot over our conversation over the last few months with how much of investing is tax strategizing. And when people find out, wait a minute, I bought a house here? I'm rooted in. It's not like you can leave the next day. I traded a house where I thought the taxes were high, and I moved to a place where I thought the taxes were low, and lo and behold, they're higher. Yeah, and, and how you pay your taxes, right? Am I going to pay my taxes via property taxes? If we're talking about states, some yep. states have really high property taxes, but they might have zero state income taxes or vice versa or somewhere in the middle. You have to look at all these things. And I think you're you're absolutely correct that when it comes to investing, one of the most largely overlooked pieces of the puzzle is taxes. And taxes saved is no different than interest earned. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in what our net worth is that we think that, let me give an example. If I asked anybody on the street that had a million-dollar 401K and a million-dollar house that was paid off, what's your net worth? Their net worth statement would be $2 million. Say, okay, write me a check for $2 million. Well, I'd have to cash out my 401K. Well, what would happen if you did that? Well, I'd owe $400,000 in taxes. Well, it sounds like you have a $600,000 asset and not a million-dollar asset. Well, not exactly, because it depends on how and when I take the money out. So what you're telling me is having a strategy for income distribution can move the needle a lot. Yes. So the structure of retirement income planning should not just be what assets am I in, but what assets should I use when and in what order and to what degree to minimize taxes as much as possible. Yeah, tax planning is a big part of that, and you can set up 
a consultation with Josh, learn more about that, learn more about all aspects of what they do. 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So it's really what we hear all the time, two things that are inevitable, death and taxes. One is death, but taxes aren't always inevitable. You can have a strategy for them. You inevitably have to pay something, but the hope is that we can figure out a way to pay as little as possible. And for those of you who are listening and think that you can't have any impact on that, I assure you, you can. To what significance? I don't know. That's the purpose of the planning process, but you can have an impact. Yeah, and we've gone through scenarios like that before where we've gone through, you know, here's a here's a scenario, here's a scenario, in this scenario you pay X amount of dollars, in this you pay Y amount of dollars, and the difference can be significant. And then when you take that difference and you realize that, oh, now I have, let's just pull a number out of thin air, let's, now I have $20,000 more well, what can you do with that $20,000? You can invest that money. And when you invest it and when it compounds and when it grows, and that's what they specialize in at Aptus, well, then it can make a huge difference if you're talking 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So that's one of the reasons why I highly encourage you to set up your free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Their number is 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Of course, you can make your appointment online. Their web address Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Thanks for joining the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Their number is 614-917-1040. They are physically located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Their web address is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. That's important to know because they offer you a free consultation. Find out more about volatility in markets, about investing, about working toward financial independence with Josh and his team, 614-917-1040. And as we tape in the aftermath of the tax deadline, people may have missed opportunities in... 2022 to lower their tax bill. There may have been some things they could have done between January 1 and April 18 to lower their tax bill in 2023. It seems a good time, Josh, to talk about strategizing for tax planning for their 2023 return that will be filed in 2024. So what should people know? Let's start with the the kind of easy, low-hanging fruit. If you're 30, 40, 50, 60 still working, um, and you're working for an employer that has a qualified plan, a company-sponsored plan, think 401k, 403b, 457, depending upon what employer you work for, that's your easiest access to an opportunity to payroll deduct some money out of your paycheck, put it into that qualified account, and hopefully, if you work for an employer that has one, get a match, so that's Mm -hmm. free money. But from a tax perspective, depending upon where you are, you may want to do a Roth or a traditional. If you do a traditional version of those qualified plans, you immediately reduce your income. So if you're in the 22% tax bracket and the 3% state bracket that's 25% combined, you put in a dollar, it only costs you 75 cents, really, because that's all you would have seen if you didn't invest that money. And then the benefit to those qualified plans is they grow on a tax-deferred basis, meaning not only did it only cost you 75 cents to get a dollar invested, but now you're earning interest on a dollar that would have otherwise been 75 cents. So you have this kind of double compounding factor. Um, The others that uh, you can either get through your employer or through other sources would be things like HSAs, which is a health savings account. Beautiful part about an HSA is it's not like the old flexible spending account where you either use it or you lose it on an annual basis. It is an account that is yours. It is portable. 
You can take it from employer to employer. You can keep it after you're retired and use it for health, uh, qualified health care expenses. But the money that you put into those is pre-tax as well. And the beautiful part about that is as long as you use it for the purposes of health care, the distributions are tax-free. And the other beautiful part about it is you can, if you choose, invest it. So you can actually invest your health savings account in mutual funds just like you do everything else. In the event that you don't end up using it, could you use it for retirement? You could. It's not the best place to grab it, but a lot of people you'll hear calling it kind of the the secret uh, additional you know, qualified plan with no limits. Now, there's some criteria. You have to have a high deductible plan, et cetera. But I believe last I checked, what's defined as a high deductible plan is $1,900 a year in deductible, which I would find it very difficult that anybody has a plan that's less than that. So yeah. every plan is kind of a high deductible plan. So I'm curious. It seems to me that for a long time with 401ks, company matches were pretty normal, pretty common. And then we go through 2008, and companies struggled a little bit as the economy suffered. Things ramped back up. I don't know if all those 401ks came back. Now we're coming through post-pandemic, and a lot of those 401ks went away. You deal with clients, and they put all their financial cards on the table when they become a client. Are 401ks and particularly matches as common as they used to be? We're seeing a a continual trend where the onus of your retirement is being placed on you. Mm -hmm. So let's rewind the clock back to 1990. About nine out of 10 people had a pension. So you had really, you didn't have to think about retirement a lot at all. If I had social security and a pension, the combination of those two things was usually enough. Anything I did beyond that was just icing on the cake. Fast forward till today and about one out of 10 people have a pension. But in that transition, we created 401ks with matches. And just like you're saying, those matches have slowly started to disappear. Now, that's not to say that there aren't great companies out there that are providing amazing matches. And I can think of you know, companies off the top of my head, think NetJets, et cetera. There's mm-hmm. companies that have tremendous matches out there. But if we believe that this is a continual trend and a continual diminishing of benefits to the employee, which I believe that it is, and by the way, that's... The responsible parties, in my opinion, are both the employee and the employer. Uh, when the employee, when the employer said, well, we're not going to provide these benefits to you like we were before, the employee said, well, if you're not going to do that, then I'm not going to be nearly as loyal. So, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. I don't know, but right. it's a systemic issue. But what I think it points to is you better do your own planning or you're rolling the dice with retirement and just hoping that by, you know, anecdotally doing whatever it is you're doing, maybe happenstance. I see a lot of happenstance financial plans where they say, well, I'm, I'm saving. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm saving. Yeah. Uh, is Are you on track or not? You better figure that out. Yeah, and that's what they help you figure out at Aptus is great if you have the discipline to save, phenomenal, but get the most out of it. I mean, if you're in your 30s, man, the decisions that you make can make such a difference long term, and that's why it pays to have a fiduciary somebody who's legally obligated to do what's best for you. That's what Josh and the Aptus team are. Set up your free no-obligation consultation by calling their office, 614-917-1040 is the number, 614-917-1040, their web address, to set up your consultation. Make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com, physically located in Lewis Center, very easy to get to, just a bit north of 23 and 270 right off Route 750. So let's talk about that young investor, somebody who does everything right. They go to school, they pay off their student loans if they have them or they didn't have them. They're in their 30s. They want to come in. They want to prioritize. And tax planning is probably a part of that conversation. 
Uh, we'll go through people in their 40s, people in their 50s, maybe in their 60s, but let's start with people in their 30s. What decisions uh, would you be counseling toward when it comes to tax planning? Yeah, I think your 20s and 30s are a great time to get educated. Um, and, and I'll give an example, and this is a very extreme example, but I had an unfortunate scenario where a client of mine's um, granddaughters, but well, their 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 daughter, uh, husband passed away, mm. right? So they have this granddaughter now who inherited money. Parents are divorced. Uh, the the or their children are divorced. So the granddaughter is now you know with a single parent, but inherited money from one parent. And their challenge and what they're trying to figure out is how do I educate my 19-year-old granddaughter mm-hmm. on inheriting hundreds of thousands of dollars and not blowing through it in a very short period of time, particularly in light of the fact that I'm sure she's not in a great emotional state after losing a parent unexpectedly young. And I think what you need to convey at this stage of the game is a decision to spend $10 is not a decision to spend $10. For every $10 you spend now, it is qua- it is foreseeable to assume that that $10 will be worth four or five times that amount if you don't spend it and you invest it correctly. So to convey to somebody in their 20s and 30s, or in this case, even younger than that, that I know that you really like XYZ yeah. and you want to spend 100 bucks on it. It's a choice, uh, not a need. Maybe take 50 bucks of that. And uh, maybe don't do it every week. Maybe maybe do it every two weeks because that hundred dollars. I mean, think five times. A hundred dollars becomes two hundred, four hundred, eight hundred, sixteen hundred, thirty-two hundred bucks. So for every hundred grand you're able to save in your twenties, it's worth three million dollars uh, by the time you're in your sixties and seventies. It's important in those early phases to convey that. So when anybody that I, I talk to that's in their twenties, thirties, even in their early forties, it's about. Managing risk if you're starting a family, making sure you have enough insurance for, God forbid, something happens to you, your family is, is taken care of. Making sure you have enough disability insurance because your most important asset is your ability to work at these ages. So, God forbid, something happens to you, you want to make sure that your family is taken care of and that you're taken care of. And then third, having a, cons- a consistent plan of discipline in place, taking emotion out of the equation and staying consistent will point you in the right direction. But beyond that, fortunately for you, if you're thinking this is going to be a uber complicated process, it really isn't. It's a rinse and repeat and just stay disciplined. I needed these last two minutes on tape to play to my eighth grade daughter when she took her birthday money and bought a pair of AirPods instead of buying a pair that costs 20% as much that would play the sound the exact same way. But the allure of the AirPods was something that she had to have. And those are the decisions that resonate, you know? And for people in their 30s and 40s, they can afford to make some mistakes more than people can in their 40s and 50s. So if people are in, like, mid-40s, trending into 50s, they still got some time, but what is something that you would counsel them about when it comes to wealth management and particularly tax planning? Uh, There's a number of things, but I would step back just a second, and I I think this is important to note. Uh, I saw this on a – do you remember the old magazines and the the, uh, airplanes that were – you could order stuff through my kids? Sky Mall. They're called Sky Mall. They're not there anymore. Yeah, they're not there anymore. Well, in that magazine, there were articles, and it's just a weird article. When I was in my 30s, I saw this ad in the back, and it was for something like an exercise bike or something like that. But this was the quote. It said, how you choose to live the first 40 years of your life will determine how you get to live the next 40 years of your life. Mm, that's good. So, you know, when I think of your daughter, um, 
I don't want to be the person to tell your daughter she's not allowed to have cool things, yeah. right? Life should be fun. <laughs> you should have cool things. And I don't think you should feel guilty about buying those cool things. But what I think you should do first is make sure that you're doing what you need to do before you do what you want to do. So in that scenario, let's say she got the money and she got 200 bucks, and maybe that's, I don't know how much AirPods are, but maybe it's 200 I think that was pretty close. Pretty close. Okay. So I'll tell you what. This is what we're going to do. Out of the 200 bucks, you're going to save 50 of it. That's it. You can do whatever you want with the 150. She goes, well, I can't buy AirPods. Well, then you have to hang tight for a minute until yeah. you get the other 50 to get the AirPods. Then enjoy the AirPods and don't feel guilty about it. But I think there's two trains of thought here. Well, I'm going to buy whatever I want and then feel guilty about it. Or I'm going to buy whatever I want and ignore reality if I should be saving some money. Those aren't good either. No. Make sure you have a plan in your ducks in a row. But I circle back. You asked me a question about uh, somebody that's in their 40s and 50s. Well, 40s is kind of repetitious of what you're doing in your 20s and 30s. Um, hopefully you've built up a significant nest egg where you're starting to look at it and go, I really don't want to screw this up because now this we're getting into real money here, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's easy to look at a thousand bucks in your twenties and go, ah, I messed it up and now I only have 200 bucks, but it's only a thousand bucks. I mean, that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, but it's only a thousand bucks. Now, maybe it, by this point you have a couple hundred thousand bucks or maybe a half million bucks. Well, you lose 50% of that. It, it's a whole different feeling. That's a big so, ouch. So you want to make sure you're really starting to hone your plan and get your ducks in a row. Once you reach your 50s, I would call you're on the 10-yard line. You're in the retirement red zone now. You better really start getting your ducks in a row. And what are some things you can start doing there? Well, you can really start taking a look at asset allocation. You can really start looking at what are some alternative investments that I can pick that maybe will limit volatility that might be better cash distributors uh, as I enter into retirement. Is there any pieces of my money that I want to guarantee to make sure it doesn't go backwards. You know, we talk about kind of the, the, the three-legged stool. Well, if you only have a 401k that's invested in stocks, you have one leg on that stool. This is the start. This is the time to start thinking about what are some things that I should be doing to solidify or true up my retirement position. And then, you know, the sixties is an echo of that. And now we're starting to think about, you know, we were talking about tax planning earlier, you know, do Roth conversions make sense for me? Where should I be saving my money? Should I be doing a traditional or a Roth as I'm saving? Now it's starting to get, remember I said the 20s mm -hmm, and 30s are pretty mm -hmm. simple. Now we're starting to get quite a bit more complicated. And now we have an influence on taxes. Kids are probably out of the house. You probably have more disposable income. Things are getting way more serious, way more, um, you know, the gravity is getting heavier. So if you haven't met with somebody and you're in your 50s and 60s, unless you feel like you got it licked, now is the time to do it for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, what my wife and I gained from becoming Aptus clients was peace of mind. We were managing things ourselves, and it made me nervous. It made my wife nervous, and Josh and his team were there. We talked it through, and it just it meshed. Everything just meshed. It was uh, the perfect decision for us. Go in, find out if it's a perfect decision for you. 614-917-1040, absolutely no obligation. You can also make your appointment online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. And if uh, you're somebody right now who's hearing this and you're like, okay, i got to get serious. I'm in my 50s, my early 50s or late 50s or whatever. Uh, i got to get serious about this. But uh, oh, woe is me. Market volatility is crazy. Interest rates are going nuts. Can people make interest rates and the fluctuation and the volatility out there work for them at this time? Because... You know, when market conditions are not as great as they have been, you don't stop investing. You don't stop figuring out, you know, what is best for your client's needs. So somebody now who's going to purpose that 
decision in their life and in, invoke that discipline in their life. Talk to them about what conditions are and how you guys are reacting to these conditions to serve your clients. Yeah, you can't always make improvements or get everything perfect with everything. That's why we understand that asset allocation is so important. Diversification is so important. Not every stock you own is going to go up the same every single day. Well, similarly, as we look at interest rates, they have an effect, either positive or negative, as they rise or drop on different asset classes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, as interest rates rise, in general, bond prices fall. But as interest rates are really high, and then you think interest rates are going to fall, bond prices rise in that environment. So you have to pick your poison on where you go and when. But I think a, a huge opportunity right now is on guaranteed fixed money. For the first time in I don't know, better part of 20 years, maybe longer, we're looking at CD rates around 5%, fixed annuity rates around 5%. And a lot of people just five or six years ago were saying, if I could just get 6% guaranteed, that would be, that's all I've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything more than that. I think if that's what you're looking for, those days are right around the corner potentially. Uh, and on top of that, you know, for those same investors who maybe bought a fixed annuity or a fixed indexed annuity five, six years ago, um, maybe they bought a 10-year contract. And there's, they're sitting here looking at their rates that they locked into five or six years ago going, well, 2 and 3% isn't really that exciting to me right now. But I can't get out of it because I have these penalties. Um, the industry has listened to you. And, you know, if you think of insurance companies, it's always kind of a how do we acquire market share and acquire clients. Well, what they uh, several companies have come out with is how do we get people out of these older kind of dragging an anchor behind the boat, uh, <laughs> low interest rate uh, environment. How do we get them out of that and move them into a better situation? And that is via bonuses. So there are plenty of companies out there right now that will pay a bonus to get you out of your old annuity contract into a new annuity contract. And I'm talking about deferred annuities, so not immediate annuities, not ones that are already being you know paid out. But in many instances, we're seeing the rates acquired in the new contract Three times, sometimes even higher than that, three times higher than where they came from, and they moved 100000 and now their new contract's at 104 right out of the gate. So mm -hmm. you can improve your situation. So I think you know one of the things that you can be doing right now in this raising interest rate environment is look at those asset classes that you hold and try and maximize them. And we're doing that a ton out of our office. You know, It's not always how do we make the most off a of Tesla stock, which obviously yesterday is not a good example of that, but... How do we make the most out of Tesla stock or out of Coca-Cola stock? But we have these other assets, too, that we shouldn't sure. be ignoring. They might not be as, as sexy and fun to talk about at the cocktail party, but they absolutely are important. Well, and I think, you know, the the ability to be the ability to be able to predict where things are going and then be able to react. Sometimes you're locked in. We've talked about these uh, banks getting in trouble with um, inverted yield curves, and they had their investments, too many of their investments in long-term investments they couldn't get out of. The short-term investments with an inverted yield curve were higher. So I know that a big part of what you do when you're managing your clients' portfolios, you're cognizant of, is this a time when I need to be more nimble than other times? And also, I think what really, for me, gives me peace of mind is, when it's my investment and when I'm making the decisions about it, there's a lot of emotion that enters into it. When you are 
evaluating my investments and orchestrating where my investments are, you're bringing knowledge, analyzing data, factoring in your experience. But I don't sense that emotion is as much a part of it, which to me is a good thing. To me is a good thing because emotion can stoke fear and fear is rarely good for anything except survival. Yeah, there's tons of research that points to that fact that there's something called the, the financial uh, behavioral gap in rate. Mm-hmm. And what that means is in a market that, let's say it's up 10%, the average investor sees a mere fraction of that. And the reason is not because of fees or not because they picked the wrong mutual fund. Sometimes, of course, most sure. of those things are true. But usually it's because when the market went down, fear got great, they got out. When the market went up, Fear of missing out, again, fear, fear got great. We bought back in, and what did we end up doing? Instead of getting 10, we got four, sure. and we had to ride this emotional roller coaster to do it. Now, getting back to you said something, too, about the banks, and they got themselves into trouble. I think the banks and getting themselves into trouble is a perfect example of the purpose of the money not matching the investment they were in. If the purpose of your money is I may need to liquidate these investments that I'm putting this money in any time to make whole the investors that gave me the money, it's probably not the best idea to lock that up in an interest sensitive situation in a long term account. The the money the money, the investment didn't match the purpose. So for example, if you came to me and said, and this is where my industry just gets run amok and why suitability is so high because people do silly things, including very successful banks. If you came to me and said, hey, I want to invest you know, $100,000 with you, and I'm going to be back in six months to get it, um, so what do you think the best option is? And I say, oh, no problem, a 30-year CD. That's what we should do. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't match up, right? So you have to take that into account. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Set up your free, no-obligation consultation at Aptus, 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. My wife and I did it. We're clients. I highly recommend you go through the process. And I've said before of people who go through the process, it's you're interviewing them, they're interviewing you. And I've said before that you find out if you're a fit for each other. What does that look like? What does a good fit look like? Yeah, so the first the first meeting that we'll have is actually kind of a pre-meeting to the whole process. We'll have a 15, 20, 30-minute phone conversation. And the purpose of that meeting is to see, are you a good fit? And what would make a good fit? Well, one, philosophical agreement. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you have unreasonable expectations, I'm probably not going to deliver on what you're expecting. So why would we go down a relationship that's already probably doomed? Um, number two... I can't invest money for you if you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So that that's obviously a barrier to entry. And we can't help everybody. So is there a threshold uh, before you know we really think that we can bring value? There is. And I'll tell you why that is. And this is a really difficult one for me. We have lots of conversations in the office about this. First off, I didn't come from money. I grew up very lower middle class. My father passed away when I was a 13. I want to help everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm altruistic and my uh, employees hate me a little bit for that sometimes because <laughs> I like to help everybody, which sometimes just creates a time problem. But here's the real reason, if we're looking at it from a non-emotional perspective. Do you pay us to do what we do? Of course you do. 
I want to make sure that we are bringing more value to you than you are paying us. Mm-hmm. And that is very difficult to do on ten, twenty, a hundred thousand dollars. Once we get up into now we have three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, the value we can bring because of the assets that we can invest in is really where the value becomes apparent. And I'll dive a little deeper into that. If I want to allocate five a hundred thousand dollars and I want to put ten percent of that hundred thousand dollars in an investment that has a fifty thousand dollar minimum. I can't do it. No, right. Can't do it. So that asset allocation where the secret sauce is, where we can really make a difference, where we can start doing all of the tax planning we're talking about, we have to have a substantial amount of money. But overriding theme here is, are we going to get along? Is this a good fit? Is it one where you're going to be happy with the way that we do business and we're going to be happy with the way that you do business? I think that's critical in any transaction. No doubt. And something as important as working as a teammate and that's what I consider Josh as uh, my teammate. He's working on my behalf. Uh, it's important to understand each other. It's important to respect each other. It's important to understand where you're coming from. And we certainly felt that comfort. And you won't know that until you go in and sit for the consultation, the no-obligation consultation. You can set up 614-917-1040 or do it online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. If you'd like to hear more from Josh, he joins me every Monday on Money Monday on 989 Answer on The Bruce Hooley Show. And those segments are archived at 9890answer.com. You can listen to those. And we look forward to those visits. We explore market conditions and news of the day. And this show will re-air tomorrow at noon, Friday, 7 p.m., Saturdays at noon. And you can check those out on the site as well. So, Josh, thanks for your time. Good to see you again. We'll see you again next week. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.